your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to Mayor Monday, the first Monday of the month before the city council meeting, right? Is that what's going on Thursday? That's right. Uh, Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. How is it going? Thank you. It's going well. How about I'm, yourself? I'm good. Uh, I don't have a, a set agenda for this yet, but Valentine's Day is, is coming up. Do you? Is your wife listening now, or can you just... Uh, she she may be listening. I, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm working on the plan. I've got some some you know very elaborate thing, but I don't have it all put together yet. I guess we have a few days yet. Fourteenth or yes, fourteenth. Right? We have until Friday. We got until Friday. So yes, couple of, plenty of time. I, I plenty know of time. Most guys out there will wait until Thursday night. That's right. To figure it out. Yep. Plenty of time. It's uh, only Monday. You got the whole week. 608-785-7914. We'll do the Valentine show uh maybe tomorrow. So I can get I'll just I'll just use this show to get ideas oh, and then I'll just steal them for my yeah, own plan. That's a that's a a good use of <laughs> so of the radio input, right? Tomorrow to, uh... might be a good day to listen if you guys <laughs> for guys out there or, or women out there that, that don't have anything set. Um Yeah, Valentine's Day you can't say it's an overrated holiday, but it's kind of an overrated holiday as long as nobody's, no women are listening to me right now. Um, all right, so moving to the next subject, I have this whole list of things to do, but like, and I, I was driving in today, and I was like, oh, I can't park there. Oh, I can't park there. Oh, I can't park anywhere because there's fluorescent orange signs everywhere. And then I stopped after I went around the block a couple of times. I'm like, okay, these signs are everywhere. I stopped and I pulled over and I read the sign. I'm like, oh, 10 p.m., I'm good. I can park anywhere now because everyone else is doing the same thing I am and thinking these orange signs stay away. Correct. Um, do you just want to explain? Uh, I don't know. The orange signs are – I've seen those before, but they, they don't come off very often. Well, that's so that we are able to clear the snow off the boulevards in the downtown and uh, Caledonia Street areas. So when we get a, a lot of snow kind of built up over the course of the season or – with you know yesterday with one snowstorm uh the the piles and the mounds get to be really tall on the boulevards especially in downtown because there really isn't any place to put it so our crews will spend the next couple of nights actually removing the snow off of the boulevards and then hauling that away so that people have less um olympics kind of hurdling what they need to do i mean the alternative for me was i walked down the side of the road a little uncomfortably and like "Mm, that's right no but i hope nobody's turning right to hit me here b i hope the semi that drives by doesn't just get enough slush to like cover my entire left side of my body true true yeah so i mean from a and that that is a i mean just a good point all kidding aside about the safety aspect we don't want people obviously having to walk into the street so that removal of the snow on the boulevards will help just kind of clear everything up and make it again easier safer and then from a customer standpoint you know folks will be able to have just easier access to yeah. to the stores and storefronts um so if city workers and be do that the next couple of nights starting at 10 do those guys get the day off then or how does do they get overtime how does that work they 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 do make up or have some revisions to their schedule so depending on when the snow falls and when they start like yesterday on Sunday for example they started at about eight in the morning and then worked 
pretty much all day. I think they were still working until uh, evening hours, and then they take a break, and I believe another or the crew started at midnight uh, this morning. Yeah. So, you know, they had a very short kind of a break, but obviously when you get a 10-inch snowfall, it's kind of, you know, it, it doesn't happen every day, so you don't have to rely on people to have that kind of a, uh, a schedule all the time. But for the short period of time, yes, uh, to get folks out there again and get things cleaned up. So, yeah, so they, they work that. I mean, we really do try to avoid overtime as much as possible. Sometimes, though, that's unavoidable, and the, the city streets department does try to work that out into their budget and anticipate that it's yeah. a little bit of a you know crystal ball because you just don't know from one season to the next how right. much weather is going to impact it but um you know for for this year uh, or for this snowfall i should say they were out uh, late yesterday and then they got an early start this morning they'll be out a few nights now to do some of the you know the downtown areas and then cutting back um you know the alternate side parking so on one side of the street they'll be cleaning up that side and then the you know the other side tomorrow night i know I've heard of, you know, in terms of how to do overtime, instead of just paying out overtime, which can add up, uh, I know some businesses do, okay, so if you worked eight hours of overtime, you get 12 hours, so time and a half, so 12 hours of a paid day off down the down the road or something, which might be, I don't know how the city does it, but like that, I, I always thought that was a cool idea. I don't get the extra money, but hey, and I'll just take this off in the summer when there's, you know, maybe not, well, I right. guess those guys would be mowing lawn all day in the summer though, but like. They, they do try to work on that. So that, that is part of the, besides the overtime, that's part of that kind of flexible schedule where they, they tr- do try to work with the crews to give them time off when, you know, when it makes sense. Um, do the crews come and do your driveway or do you have to do that yourself? Uh, you know, I have to do that myself. <laughs> Thankfully, I've got a great neighbor who's right across the street. Uh, and it was actually interesting to see yesterday. I think we had three different neighbors come by at various times of the day with their snowblower and kind of clear yeah. the sidewalks for multiple uh, people. So yeah, it's it's nice to have great neighbors to do that. And maybe you do or don't know this, and I don't know. I, I remember the last time it snowed, I talked about... What do people do with the alleys? Like every time I have to drive down an alley, at some point after a snowfall, it's it's kind of a hazard. Like a slip in and it's icy. Are it can the be alleys challenging. Are just up for grabs. They just like the houses there have to do that, figure that out themselves. The the city does not plow alleys, so a lot of times what will happen is the neighbors will kind of get together and you know chip in and and hire somebody to do the alley. Or you again, it might be a situation where you just have a really nice neighbor who happens to have a truck and a plow and can yeah. you know clean things out for folks. So or a snowblower and they're just shooting it at everyone's house. Like. <laughs> Uh, all right, Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. We're going to talk about uh, a couple other things, the public works meeting this morning. Uh, you haven't been here since the Green Island Ice Arena you know, news went down, and that seemed, well, it was probably like three weeks ago or more. Uh, I think you, you're, you, last time you were in here, like maybe the next, maybe that me, maybe that Thursday meeting, maybe that's when they, the, the Green Island stuff started up, or maybe we did talk about it, and I don't remember. It could be very well, too. And uh, Grandma's Gateway, the uh, trail system below Granddad Bluff. We'll talk about that stuff when we come back. If you want to get in and and ask yourself some questions for the mayor, 608-785-7914. All right, we're going to hit news. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Number three is calling Mayor Tim Cabot in studio with me. So, We'll see what number three's got on his agenda today before we get to my agenda and the mayor's agenda. 
Uh, number three, you're on the air. Go ahead. And how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? Good. Don't forget Valentine's, Rick. Yeah, we just discussed that a little bit. Did you hear our discussion? I heard that. The mayor don't need any help, but you do. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, I got two questions for the mayor. The first one is I was downtown the last couple times driving around, and I see a lot of businesses got for rent or lease on their windows in the front. Okay. Now, we got a building the city has on 3rd Street that's about 300 feet long under the new parking ramp that Weber built for us. Right. You only got one business that's renting that out, one tenant. Why can't the city put a for rent sign or for lease on all that property? That is privately owned property. So when the city worked out the purchase of that parking ramp, the yeah. the ground floor retail and, and, and where there's a hair salon right now, all of that property yeah. is privately owned. So that's well, not the city's. Well, that would be, I believe, Weber Holdings owns that whole stretch. Oh, we paid for it, right? We paid for everything except for that property that remained private. Because if folks remember when the lot C discussions were going down and the, yeah. uh, the, the trying to figure out a parking solution, the Weber, uh, uh, the Weber family, the Weber Holdings purchased that land from the Collins family. Right. And they sold All right. All right. And they sold the land uh, around it. They kept a portion of that for the retail businesses and what they want to see go go there in the future. So, in other words, the city has nothing to do with that, then. Correct. Okay. In other words, we paid eighteen million dollars for something and we didn't get the ground floor. Yeah, I believe it was seventeen million dollars for, yeah, in yeah, essence, right. everything around it. Correct. Okay. One other question: How is the park, uh, the new car wash, doing on French Island? I've heard that it's been uh, doing well. I know that there's been a, there were a couple of uh, issues that they had initially with, uh, I, th- I think there was just some accidents or folks getting um, trapped in the, the operation because of, uh, I think, to remember that you've got to have put your car in neutral in order to go through the car wash. So I think there was a little bit of those hiccups initially, but as far as I have heard, I believe it's doing just fine. Would it be possible to find out for the taxpayers how many cars go through that place a month and how much sure. the money is put in? Yes, I believe so. That shouldn't be an issue. It would be okay. working with the aviation board to uh, to collect that information. I was just going by some car washes the other day. Uh, $17 a month to have your car washed all month long for, for $17. That, that doesn't do the underbody, though. Well, I don't know about the underbody. Or not, I do. But I looked into it. The car wash. <laughs> I looked into it. I do. I know. I'm telling you. I think you. we're going to have a car wash war. Yeah, there we go. Okay. And I hope we don't get caught in the middle of it and lose more money. <laughs> All right. Thank thanks. you for taking my call. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for the call, number three. Uh, car wash probably be busy here in the next couple of days as yeah. they all seem to be after. I always kind of wonder like how long do I need to wait before I wash my car because I got to get the salt off it, but there's still a ton of salt on the road. Um, I, do you know? Do you have any theories I, I on that? I think that's probably why they have those unlimited washes because then you can go through the Just car wash through. every day if yeah. you want. I've, right? I've pondered it. Uh, 608-785-7914 if you want to get in here. All right, so what do you want to talk about first? Grandma's Gateway or the Green Island Ice Arena? Do you have any... 
Any preference? E- either one is fine with me. Um, well, let's just, where are we at? What stage are we at with Green Island? We're still looking for someone to manage the place? So we've had some conversations with the user groups. Uh, Part of what uh, was a result of sharing information with the park board back in January was kind of two areas of concern. One, of course, is the the ice and the that system and the floor in Green Island has has reached the end of its useful life and needs to be redone. And so between that and some of the building improvements, you're looking at about three and a half million dollars of capital investment that's needed. The other issue, which I think in my mind is is just as, if not more important, is the future of user groups and just how do we make sure that Green Island remains a, a regional draw for hockey and for all of the, th- the things that go on there. Our two largest uh, users, as well as the two largest revenue sources who help with the, the cost, are there's some uncertainty. So the Lacrosse Curling Club, they are looking to fundraise and build their own facility, oh, you know, a mm-hmm. separate facility. So at some point in the not-too-distant future, they would be, be leaving Green Island and going somewhere else. And then the Cooley Region Chill, uh, w- there's, there's a bit of an unknown as far as just what's going to happen to them. Uh, for the next season. So if if those two of the largest users go away, then there's even a greater gap when it comes to being able to generate revenue to pay for the operations. So out of the park board meeting, there were several folks that stepped up. I believe River City Youth Hockey was part of that. There was some others as well. I know that our our Parks and Recreation Department has had conversations with, with many of them, sled hockey group, uh, uh, and others to, you know, really to identify, I think what we're, you know, the goal, at least what I have in my mind, and, and I'm hopeful that this will happen, is that we can keep Green Island open for another year, that we can work with one of those groups or maybe a combination of the groups to do some of the management and operations so that folks can get a better understanding of what it takes. And then we could come up with a longer term uh, plan, you know, after this upcoming year. So I think right now we're pushing really hard to keep Green Island open for another year and, and to see if we can work out a user agreement to um, to do the long-term kind of operations and, and other things that go with that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it a situation where the, the building itself was just there wasn't updates done properly as the years have gone by or, or no there's been quite a bit invested in the building itself there there are some needs that have been identified really in association with the the ice production and and the the system there i mean i think we've looked at some of the locker rooms and the and the ventilation in the building to make updates and improvements so we i mean the, the city could still do that and i think i mean quite honestly if we can come together on some of the user um, questions that I would I would support putting money into our capital budget to do those upgrades, uh, but but our biggest question is really then how do we operate it? And we've we've talked about you know just generally the idea because right now the ice kind of stays on all year round to do um, that you know the chill has their season and then they do summer summer camps and whatnot. I mean maybe there's some options there where the ice could come out for parts of the you know parts of the calendar year and there could be other uses that could help uh, right. pay the bills. So when you have to put a new floor in and new cooling or freezing system correct. in there to keep it going, right? Is right. that that's correct? Like, is it like the, the Maybe we don't do that because it's going to cost too much, or 
you have to eventually you have to go yes we're going to do that correct. and then yes yeah. we're going to do that and then we're going to have an ice arena here we're committed correct right and that's i believe what this next year year plus uh, of time will hopefully get us some of those answers so that we can move forward um do you see the the maybe the way to do that very similar to the way memorial pool got done there there could be i think anytime uh, there's a private uh, fundraising or philanthropy that comes into these projects, it does move the needle in a good direction. I mean, we've witnessed that with not only the Veterans Memorial Pool, but we saw that with the tennis, which I know there's been some conversation about, you know, tennis versus hockey at Green Island. Well, the for the fr- first phase of the tennis project, which I believe is about one, one and a half million dollars, uh, close to a million dollars of of outside funds, private mm-hmm. and otherwise, have been brought to bear to that project. So we've talked about that with the um, the users of Green Island to see if there's ways that we could do a public private, you know, uh, upgrade. And then again, getting back to this long term management. I mean, I think the Lacrosse Loggers is a great example of how you do a public private partnership where you've got a private operation that manages and really takes care of that public asset and then obviously they get a benefit of that and the larger community gets a benefit so can we, we sell beer we sell beer at copeland can we sell beer at, at green island or do we I, I think all of that well, yeah we we do sell i believe there's a liquor license there for for some of the games the and things play there right correct so right must, so you have to have beer if you're gonna watch hockey games so if you you know so those are those would be again some of those operational questions that we need just more discussion and to have a longer term plan uh texter just asks you know the people that are managing it now who are they and are they leaving in May, or is there nobody managing it now? Or? The city is the operator right now. Uh, up to last year, the Cooley Region Chill had a five-year. They did five-year or five one-year management agreements to operate Green Island. So, in essence, for the last five years, uh, the the Chill were doing the management and and taking care of all that. Uh, they they told us that they were done. So this past year or so, the the city has been operating it. And again, for us, uh, we need, you know, we, I think the, the questions about just the users and how do we try to maximize, because when, when Green Island was originally developed, it was the only ice arena in the area. Right. And so it was a regional draw bringing, you know, much of the hockey and the other, uh, the, those ice sports to lacrosse. Well, since that time, many of the surrounding communities have developed their own. And so there's not as much of a regional draw can we come up with some other ideas then to make uh, to make that work from uh, dollars and cents? And then also just from uh, having this great asset, how do we take care of it and make sure it's maximized? Um, you have the lacrosse center where you're doing the 42 million expansion and you're trying to highlight the riverside of the, the you know, the building itself. Right. Um, and you're doing updates on green Island. You're putting tennis courts out there. Has any thought gone into, Hey, we, also have this awesome river view is it's kind of an amazing spot for a building a could you just sell that building for millions of dollars because it's in that prime location somebody said i think last time i brought this up somebody said i bet gunderson would buy it um and i i I think you're committed to some other stuff so that probably be off the table but b is there any thought into you know like if we're going to build something if we're going to put a new ice rink in sounds like you're gonna have to tear the entire ice rink out and put something else in so 
maybe instead of just like, we'll just do the ice rink going all in, going, okay, all in, we're going to make this facility awesome, and we're going to feature the river. That, that could very well be part of the conversation. I, the city's not interested in selling, you know, selling yeah. the property or the building at this point, but to look at, again, what makes sense from users, and then is there an opportunity to to do something with the building? Because one of the challenges that we have is the building is very large, and so to keep... Uh, you know, to deal with the utilities and, and heating and cooling and all that is is a, a, a pretty, you know, hefty price tag. So, uh, you know, some of the other, especially when you're talking about the curling clubs, I mean, much smaller facilities, uh, I think those types of discussions about the building itself would be very good and, and should be part of that mix as we move forward. Yeah, you talk about the, the what are the, the curling club, what are they called again? The lacrosse curling club. Lacrosse curling club, couldn't remember that. Um, if they're looking at building their own facility, could you go, you know, instead of building your own facility, maybe we get a partnership here and we add on to the Green Island somehow because they probably would, they probably want some kind of, their, you know, like a curling only type right. exclusive you know, rink or whatever you call it. So I don't know. Has that right. been in this discussion? I, I believe they have had those conversations over the years, and and I've learned things about the ice. I mean, the the ice for curling is much different than ice for hockey. Right. Uh, they they don't necessarily use a zamboni for curling. I mean, there there's just different uh, needs for both of the the sports. So I believe there has been conversations about adding on to the building and doing another. You know, in essence, a, a curling building yeah. right next to it. But I, for whatever reasons, and I'm not aware of all the details, that didn't work out. And so the curling club is looking so at other and, okay. and, and other places to do their facility. And then just back to the managing, uh, you know, the people that are managing now are are, are, are going to leave the Cooley region chill. They're done. And then someone just says, What's ha- what happens in May? What happens in May if you don't find someone to manage it? Well, the... the we we can still in essence kind of get our way through you know for another year in May. I think that's really what everybody's talking about right now is okay. So after May of this year, can we get some pieces in place so that we can do another year of hockey season and sled mm-hmm. hockey? And uh, I don't know where I, I would think the curling club probably will be there for one more year before they finish their their new facility. Sure. So I I believe the timing is you know from. This May to May of, of 2021, that gives us some time, but we really then have to have answers by then yeah. for what we're going to do. Yeah, the commitment on what you're going to do with the rink itself. All right, we're going to hit Scott's comment in the news. We'll be back with Mayor Tim Cabot after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You got questions for Mayor Tim Cabot sitting in here in studio with me? Uh, feel free to give me a call, shoot me a text. Um, all right, we'll move on from Green Island to another G, Grandma's Gateway. Not that Grandma's a G, but. Um, so this has been, has this died down at all a little bit? The last couple of weeks have been pretty, you know, I, I don't know if heated's the right word, but, but uh, the, you know, essentially the city wants to do something, whether it's take away a memorial pool and the neighbors around the pool say, hey, we want that pool there, and then they get involved, or city wants to build a trail system and the neighbors there, we don't want a trail system, get rid of it. It's kind of the opposite thinking there, but... Um, where are you with that that whole situation? Well, I do. So we have heard some opposition from the neighbors uh, in that area about the trail access points, and then and then utilizing that portion of the bluff for you know for active recreation. And I, I happen to support the project. I do believe that the 
the whole notion of that bluff and having this, you know, beautiful resource gifted to the citizens of La Crosse was not to seal it off and keep people out of there, but it was to do just the opposite, to get people outside and and to be able to, to enjoy this natural beauty. Yeah, when, when I moved here uh, from Winona, and Winona is kind of similar to La Crosse, and I, as I lived in Winona for about eight years, I discovered, I'm like, oh, there's all these trails here. There's some at St. Mary's or some. And then I got here and then I, I was kind of a runner and a trail runner. I worked at the paper and they're like, oh, you should go check out. And I I got lost one day. I showed up to work like four hours late. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I got lost in Hickson Forest. That's how cool it is. And now you want to add to it. But that was one of the coolest things that I learned when I first moved here. It was yeah, and I and I think for the you know for this specific project, this is uh, really a continuation of the trails and the development that the city has been trying to encourage over the last few years. And I will say, there's been a lot of habitat restoration that we have we've invested in in, in our bluffs for the longest time. Uh, the city had whether it was Hickson Forest or some of the uh, the lands and the bluffs that we worked with the Mississippi Valley Conservancy on to acquire, either through outright purchase or conservation easements, um, we didn't do a very good job of taking care of, of the, those habitats. So there was a lot of invasive species, a lot of the rogue trails that cause erosion and you know other issues, trash and litter and, and those types in graffiti. And with the area that is, that we're talking about with this proposal, uh, it, it's a lot of the same types of issues. There are current rogue trails that kind of you know work their way in, in that neighborhood and up and down the bluff. Um, there are a lot of invasive species, and my my belief really is that if we can add this to the the mix of what the city takes care of over time you're going to see the health of that land restored and you'll see you know we, we've re- removed rogue trails in other locations we would be looking to do the same with you're saying rogue right rogue, like rogue yeah they're in essence not planned g-u-e I yeah think. they're 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 not planned they're really just you know it's uh, it's a, a matter of you know somebody it wants cr- to get cre- from one spot yeah, to cre- another creating a trail and then over time it gets uh, beaten down and you have, again, then erosion problems because a lot of times it will follow kind of the drainage area. Yeah. So so if we're able to do that, um, I think we'll make the, the situation over time much better. Um, we are trying to be very responsive to the neighbors and, and the folks living in that neighborhood, 29th Street and Ebner Cooley Road, trying to address, you know, address the, the safety concerns that have been raised. Um, we I, I, That plus the erosion and, and, and the you know the, the the problems that have been identified um you know and I, I again there's still opposition i don't know that we've convinced everybody of course but um at least we are really trying to make those changes and make it better i think over time we'll we'll see it be a positive um you know nobody wants to see erosion or a boulder slough off the you know the bluff and come tumbling down and no one wants to see any traffic issues or safety issues on 29th street or Abner Cooley road so i think you know the city is very committed to looking at all kinds of options for for better improving what's there the trails are going to go there right the 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 idea that there's going to be an access point in that area is is 
maybe the biggest concern, right? Because the trails might go there anyway, and you can access them from other spots. Sure. So. I mean, there, there there are trails there now. There are uh, publicly owned lands where people can, you know, on their own or, or on these rogue trails, they can access the bluff now. And really what we're trying to do is to make it so that we get rid of the rogue trails and improve the health of the land and to make those access points much safer and this- so that people can, because in essence right now, if you want to get kind of to the top of the bluff, your only option is to is to go up Bliss Road or to go, you know, the long way down 33 and then up, uh, up well, on I've the run other up side. A couple of times, right. but it's no fun because you and, get to the top, there are actually washed out trails. And, and up, for up Bliss there. Road, there's, you know, I think there's just concerns about biking and hiking and the safety. Uh, so to have some additional points of access and to have other options Again, in the long run, I think that's going to be a positive. Yeah, making a trail system would, you, you think it would add to erosion, but it actually probably is going to deter erosion a little bit in terms of you're 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 trading rogue trails for uh, properly planned and, yeah. and built, and that's been our experience in the recent trail developments that we've done. Again, in other parts of of uh, Hickson Forest and and some of those uh, those lands that we acquired through uh, the Mississippi Valley Conservancy. You know, if you do the proper planning and the construction techniques, and then maintain them, they actually you know the the erosion chances there are are greatly reduced, and the soils and the slopes i mean we've got experience not to say that you know there'll never be a problem but our experience and and what we've learned over the last probably 10 to 15 years really has made a big difference yeah you've already tested this out and now we're just going to keep going with it um we want to go back to the phones here uh we'll go eric from sparta go ahead you're on the air yes mr uh mayor um when i do road construction down there like say something that's not state-sponsored, but lacrosse city-sponsored, you go on these roads and stuff, are the uh, residents on each side of the street assess a certain amount of uh, money for the length of uh, the frontage of their property? Are they assessed that, or is that all city expense? Yeah, not for the streets themselves. We do assess if there is uh, utility work, so new sewer or sanitary sewer lines that have to get uh, constructed as a part of a street project. Those are assessed, but we have not done assessments for new street pavings. And I know there's other communities around the state that actually do assess people for those street improvements, but we've not done that here, at least in the in the recent history. There might have been a time in the past, but, but not recently. So that's all well, city I, expense. Okay, well, i tell you what, because I know I live in Sparta over here, and they did my property, it's about 94 feet, and it had a curb and gutter, and they wanted to put a sidewalk, and I explained to the city uh, engineers, down the street, how many trees you're going to have to take out. The other side of the street was wide open. But anyway, I still got stuck with a $1,500 bill. Uh, by the city, and I'm paying that off, amortizing it, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not fair. It's not fair at all. All right. Thanks, Eric. Um, getting getting back to the Grandma's Gateway situation with uh, access points in neighborhoods where it seems like neighbors don't want them, is there sidewalks and, and stuff in that area? Is, would, would that be an option? Is putting, you know, If we're going to put an access point in, we're going to have 
sidewalk so people if the traffic's going to increase i don't know that is something that we can look at it the other uh, suggestion that some of the neighbors have talked about on 29th street is to have perhaps some traffic calming so there could be ways with the again the physical part of the street where we could try to help slow down the traffic a little bit and that is definitely something we will look at as this project continues to progress because there's still a lot of a detail and a lot of conversation that has to take place, um, you know, just in the last few weeks, as we've heard the concerns from the neighbors and from others, we did bring in an outside engineering firm, an independent firm that's not kind of associated with this project at all. They have experience with the Sugarloaf Trail project in Winona, and we asked them for their opinion to really look at the access points when it comes to traffic and parking and safety, and they did that, as well as the construction plans for the trails themselves. So we did bring in somebody outside of the city to help you know, weigh in. Uh, we also are looking at the, the trails themselves, so trying to maximize the width where we can to make them truly multi-use so that people on bikes and hiking uh, can have kind of a safe separation. And then we're also looking at maybe there's certain segments of the proposed trail network that could be hiking only. Mm-hmm. Or I know in some places, you know, they've done things like on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it's, you know, bikes. And on Tuesday, sure. Thursday, and Saturday, it's, you know, or, hiking yeah, flip, or whatever. the weekends. Every other exactly. Saturday is one or the other. So there's there are ways that we can look at better managing that resource. A lot of it, again, just uh, uh, getting in there and, and working on the details and continuing the dialogue with everybody that's involved is I think you know the right way to go because there will be solutions that will be uh, that will come up as a part of those conversations. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. Trempolo, Tom, you're on the air. Go ahead. So my first question is: Can you tell me how close these access trails are going to be to someone's residential house? That's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head because the there's two city lots that, in essence, no front on helps or not. But. Yeah, it fronts on on 29th Street, and then it's you know the trail itself uh, kind of crisscrosses up the bluff at that point. But I I don't know. I'd I'd even kind of hate to guess because it's probably within. Well, yeah, it, it's hard to say. I'm looking at a map here, but it's really difficult to. Come yeah, I can't up even with tell. That. Are these little things houses? Yes. But. Yeah, those that that's the map that shows where the neighbors. <laughs> so it's about are. this much, <laughs> whatever that yeah, was. I, I mean, can't it, see a, a. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Yeah, it, it's. Um, it is on all on city property, and as you can imagine, there is one line of houses at Front Twenty Ninth Street, but then otherwise everything else is city owned through Hickson Forest and through the park. You also indicated that the neighbors were at the zoning hearing. And they opposed or asked questions. Who else was concerned about that? And before you answer, I'll just suggest that uh, it appears to me that the property owners that were there and are there and were living next to an area that is quite peaceful and quiet, uh, now they're going to have something rammed down their throats, and that's not appropriate. But I still will ask you if you can tell me who else was opposed to the change. Yeah, I would I would say it was primarily we heard from the neighbors in that that area and as well as some folks who maybe are, are a little bit farther away. They're not necessarily right on either 29th Street or Ebner Cooley Road. I, I think the 
Um, as far as the, the process itself, and we've talked about this with these types of projects, at times it becomes difficult to know which project might cause concerns or issues for you know for the neighbors and 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 with what we did here we just quite frankly missed it we should have done a more thorough job of directly contacting people in that neighborhood we worked with the neighborhood association and, and got you know public input at various neighborhood meetings but we did not do a direct mailing until january so that's where we did make a mistake and we should have done a better job with outreach there but the the process itself Again, it's all city-owned land. We we build and develop, you know, recreational facilities. I don't really foresee that it's going to have a, a a big change compared to what's there now, which is again a very beautiful natural area. And yes, there will be more folks accessing trails and hiking and biking, but it is also a it's a public land, so the expectation that somehow, again, it would be sealed off permanently forever and nobody would ever be there, I think, is is probably not the right we assumption. Could, we could sell it for oil and drilling. We could do that, and then people would be really upset. Or, or something else, maybe maybe a, a frac sand mine there or something. Well, well, that's how we ended up with it, was the, you know, uh, the fact that it was an active quarry site, and over time, the community, uh, led by the efforts of the Hickson family, and then especially Ellen Hickson, they, you know, they said enough was enough and they didn't want to see this very iconic bluff any further damage. And so they ended up acquiring it and then gifting it to the city so that all of the residents and visitors in this area could enjoy that beautiful resource. So the the amount of invasive species and existing trails and, and some of the challenges that we want to deal with are not going to get any better. They'll, in fact, I think, get worse if we don't get in there and do more active management. All right, we're going to take another quick break before I start screaming about, like, we're anti-building more trails. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Mayor Tim Cabot in studio. Uh, we actually do have another caller, Mayor. So headphones, if you want to throw those on. Uh, we'll go to the phones. Uh, caller, who's this? You're on with the mayor. Yeah, hi, uh, this is Cal. Um, and uh, I used to live on 29th Street. My uh, backyard was the bluff below where the trail was going to be going, and uh, it's very steep back there. And I usually uh, was a, I mean, I'm a big fan of the hiking trails back there and everything over on the other side of Bliss Road there by the golf course mm -hmm. because there's no homes below there that sure. could be damaged. But I guess my, my question is, if you put this trail in, and there's a mudslide, and it, and it damages any of the homes down there. What is the city going to do for those homeowners? Well, if there are, if there is an issue that is that you can show that the city caused the problem, then you know we have liability insurance and and all that. The, the, the issues that we've experienced uh, in the bluffs usually is because of some catastrophic weather event. And many times it's a, you know, those are acts of God as far as, you know, mudslides or boulders or, or trees that come down. So uh, the city's not liable for, for those. But, uh, but we, uh, again, our experience has been that if we can get into certain areas and actually do a better job of actively manage the, managing them, we improve the health and, and reduce the amount of erosion that happens. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, back to the phones. Uh, caller, who's this? You're on with the mayor. This is Dan. Hey, Dan, go ahead. 
question for the mayor. The city owns two lots there. They've, that subdivision's been in place for a long time. Why haven't those lots been sold and built upon with the shortage of housing stock in the city of La Crosse? How come the city doesn't sell those for lots? So, good question. So, the, those two lots uh, have been owned by the city for quite some time. They were part of, and I believe, access for the quarry operation. So, that's why they actually front onto 29th Street. Uh, I think the city just over the years has, has not looked at that as housing development sites because you could have potentially two homes that were built there. But I don't know that there's ever been anybody's plan to actually develop those. I think some of the the challenges, again, with just the steepness of that area to uh, to turn those That's into... That's my point, exactly. So what you're saying is portions of those slots exceed a 20% slope? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. But I know that Which they're very steep. Which makes them unbuildable? Yes, in this area. Yet they are buildable to put a trail on and run bicycles down? We we do have areas all around our bluffs that ha- that are on steeper slopes, and as I had said earlier, the, the point is the point is is a twenty percent slope. If somebody wanted to go even before these trails and build upon those lots, would they have been able to? Because uh, if you can't build a house on it and be responsible for erosion control, somebody explain to me how a trail with multiple bicycle tires going up and down it, is going to prevent erosion on a slope that's steeper than 20%. Well, a trail development is much less intensive than a house site because to do to construct a foundation and, in essence, to, to get in there and disturb uh, the vast majority of lot is way more intense than what a, a four-foot trail would, would represent. Yeah, a biking trail versus a house. Uh, we'll go back to the phones. Caller, who's this? You're on the air. Uh, my name is Jean. Hey, Jean, go ahead. You got 45 seconds. Are we talking about the bluff? Okay, yep, 45 seconds, 40 seconds. Well, they've already got bluffs on the other side of FA. Aren't those enough? Bluffs for the biking? Okay. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, could we could we put the bike trail somewhere else and leave that land? Do- well, the the city and as a part of our larger region has a plan to connect trails all the way from the state trail system by County Highway B, all the way down through the through the bluffs to connect Goose Island Park. Yeah. So this is part of the larger vision to have recreational lands and to, for people to be able to walk and bike. Uh, all the way from County B to Goose Island and back again if they want. Yeah, I went to college in Stevens Point, and we have the Green Circle, and it's uh, I think it's a 100-mile trail throughout the whole region. And then there's interlocking trails all throughout that. It was, it was one of the coolest things that I didn't learn until I was a junior. So. Uh, right. <laughs> Maybe that's uh you know maybe that's what once these trail systems get out you need to like promote them more so you know that'll that'll suck people into the city too like wow there's this huge trail system that connects to you know everything else um yeah go ahead you well got- I, I would just say that I, that I think the you know the the plans and the vision is one thing the fact that there's already existing trails and erosion happening in this area is the reality and again part of the benefit of having a more active program is is going to be to to address those issues all right that's mayor tim cabot thanks for stopping in we'll do this again tomorrow with just me all right see you guys